Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for allowing us the privilege to participate in other people's lives, even unbelievers around the world. And many, hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people are coming to know Christ through various missionaries, through the radio, through TV, through printed material, audio material. We know this, Father. We thank you and praise you for that. So, Lord, continue to use us. And I pray for your word this morning as we open up your word, your love letter. You love the world. This is a love letter. I pray for the gift of teaching and that hearts will be open to what you'd have for us to do individually, what you'd have for us to do in our marriages and our families, what you'd have us to do corporately as a church. We want to be led of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to cover, I think, two verses this morning. Um, I started out with six, and as I kept studying, the Holy Spirit, I believe, just kept adding and adding and adding. So I said, okay, forget it, because I know how many pages I normally do, and so we'll see what happens. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet. And on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to see a battle between the number one enemy of God, Satan, against the nation of Israel. You see, Israel is a Hebrew name given to Jacob, meaning God contends or one who struggles with God. So God contends, or one who struggles with God. Now, you might think this is kind of weird. Now, did Jacob find God? Now, hopefully you're reading your Bibles. Was Jacob walking across the land going, you know what, I want to pick a fight with God right now? No, Jacob did not find God. God found Jacob. Now, Jacob knew God, so understand, yes, Jacob knew God. But in this particular scenario, as we're looking at his name, read your Bible, you'll find the story. I believe it's a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. I believe this was Jesus, and Jesus could have just spoken, whipped him, but it's teaching us a principle, and it taught Jacob a principle that we need Christ. We need God. For that day and age, he needed God. He didn't know it was Jesus Christ. He needed the Messiah, had not yet come. And so God contends, even as we have 8 billion people, as this administration continues to to use the race, and as that's being promoted in our society, that it's all about race. Well, they're talking about shades of skin. It is about race, the human race, because there is only one race. So don't get caught up in that division. Don't go down the road in that division. You keep bringing things back to Jesus. Because for God so loved the world. Memorize John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That means 8 plus billion people today. 
So God changed Jacob's name to Israel. You'll find the story in Genesis chapter 32 and created a nation through his 12 sons, otherwise known as the 12 tribes of Israel. In Exodus 19, we read this. And Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Did God contend with the Egyptians? Or did the Egyptians go after God? No, God contended with the Egyptians through Moses. God was trying to reach the Egyptians. He was offering them grace and mercy. Every time a plague came and the Egyptians said, take it away, God took it away. Grace and mercy. Did they repent? No. But the grace and mercy was there. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you Where? To myself. To myself. I came to Jesus in the spring of 1978. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was playing church. I was living like the devil. I was going to hell. If I would have died, I I would have went to hell. I did not have a relationship with God or with Jesus. But he was looking for me. And he contended with me. And he showed me that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. So if you're here this morning, God wants to contend with you. He wants you to just know you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You'll never be able to blame God ever again. God gave you another opportunity on this Sunday morning to receive Jesus. You decline it, that's free will. You decline it, you push it away, don't blame God. You see, God has contended for the souls of humanity from day one, and we still see God seeking after mankind to this very day. In John 12, 32, Jesus speaking. Jesus says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples, all mankind, all to myself. To my, not to a denomination, not to a religious function, but into a relationship. On John 7, 37 through 39, on the last day, the great day of the feast, this is a whole study in and of itself, so I encourage you to maybe look this up and do a study on this. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who receives He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, if you're new to the Bible or you're an unbeliever, this is not the literal heart. But oftentimes when you see the word heart in the scriptures, it's talking about your being, your soul, your desire. Like after church, you're going to have a desire for something to eat. What's that going to be? That's a part of your soul. That's a part of your personality. That's a part of your makeup. That's what it's talking about here. And then John gives us commentary looking back, because again, he wrote the Gospel of John most likely in the early 90s. So he gives a commentary via the Holy Spirit. But this Jesus spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. Again, if you're new to the Bible, capital S, that's Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him, those who believing in Jesus, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Again, in the Gospels, you'll understand what that means as you study it. You see, this battle against God's plan for saving a fallen race has been taking place for roughly 6,000 years now. Remember that we're in this interlude in Revelation, a break in the chronological action. And again, if you're, not, if you're behind, you want to catch up, all the CDs are free. Feel free to grab them and catch up. It's a break in the chronological action, and it is in this parathetical section that we're receiving additional spiritual as well as physical information. 
And what we're going to see in this next few chapters is vital information about our spiritual enemy and their tactics. And I pray that I'm able to convey the importance and relevance in all of our lives because the enemy knows that his days are coming to an end. He doesn't know when, but he knows. Well, how do I know that? Well, we'll get to it in a few weeks because in Revelation 12, 12, we read this. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. This is during the Great Tribulation now. Satan's been kicked out of heaven. Read ahead. And the sea for the devil has come down to you. He no longer has access to heaven. We'll get to that in a few studies. Having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. It's going to wrap up. There is an appointed time. Before we get into our text this morning, though, let's, it's important to step back and look at the bigger picture first. Ephesians 6, 12. Verses that you're probably familiar with, but are you applying them with what's happening in our society? Or are you all bent out of shape and angry and frustrated or worried or anxious? For we, re- for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not about Republican, Democrat, Socialists. This is about people's souls. Register, vote, sign petitions. But leave it in the hands of God at the end of the day. Because who are we wrestling against? Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Notice that. They're rulers. Rulers over countries in the spiritual world. Read the book of Daniel. You'll find out. There's rulers over cities. There's rulers over towns. So I'm talking about spiritual Demonic forces, they come against you and me as well. We're not exempt. They want to tear us down. They can't take our salvation, but they want to ruin your testimony, your testimony to your coworkers, your testimony to your family members, your testimony to those who just crossed your paths. Be careful. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, in the previous studies, we've seen that there is a literal angel called Lucifer, the devil, Satan, Again, we need to see the bigger picture in order to understand our verses this morning. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3. And normally we turn to these, but for the sake of time, I have so many to give here. So Lord God said to the serpent, now this is in the Garden of Eden, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On you, your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, this cannot be Eve. So we want to look at this. Well, what is this woman? And between your seed and her seed. Hmm. Spiritual versus human. He shall bruise your head. The reason that's capitalized is that's talking about the coming Messiah. You have now entered a sinful state. You will never be able to save yourself. You need a Savior, and the Messiah is coming. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The crucifixion, the resurrection, Satan got his head stomped on. You see, way back in Genesis, long before the Word of God was written down, we have a picture of what we call today the coming of the Savior. 
Now think about this. The devil isn't all-knowing. Know who the devil is. He is not all-knowing. He didn't know the future, but was learning about God's plan as it unfolded. He's not all-powerful, but rather has limited power, as you can read about in the Scriptures. So read from Genesis to Revelation. But with this picture in Genesis, the devil now knows there is someone that is going to come who will save mankind from their fallen, sinful state. So what does our enemy do? He starts to influence a man to become a murderer. Cain, killing his brother Abel. Trying to do what? Kill off the human race. Thus eliminating any possibility of a Savior coming onto the scene. In John 8, we read this. Jesus saying, You are of your father the devil, speaking to the religious elite of the day. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he spe- when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. It should not surprise us when what we're witnessing today, when people look into a camera and they say one thing, and we know it's exactly the opposite. We should not be surprised. It's very grieving. But we instantly know where it's coming from. It's coming from the pit of hell. So just don't believe it. Stay in your Bible. Keep serving Christ. Again, we want to step back and see the bigger picture. We know the whole story because we have the written word of God. But very early on, humanity didn't have the written word. So the story of a Savior was relevatory. It was going to be revealed. It was being revealed by God via the Holy Spirit as time went by. And that's important to remember because, again, the enemy doesn't know everything. And let me just throw this out there. The enemy is not behind every bush. There are certain things that happen in life that just happen in life. Don't go searching for the enemy. Keep your eyes on God. So as time unfolds and the story plays out, Satan comes to know that God is going to send a savior through the offspring of who? Abraham. And Abraham, who was an Arab, by the way, was chosen by God to start the Jewish race. Galatians 3.16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Again, I know this is repetition, but repetition helps. New Testament, Greek, Christ, the anointed one. Old Testament, Hebrew, Messiah, the anointed one. So what are the scriptures saying? Not, not Abraham. It wasn't Abraham that's going to save us, but it's of the line of Abraham. And it's Jesus who we know to be the Christ. Very, very important. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is now thousands of years later from Adam and Eve. Matthew 1. Now, roughly hundreds of years later, we read this in Matthew 1. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, through the prophet saying, guys, we're living in biblical times. Jesus said, it will be as it was in the days of Lot. 
it will be as it was in the days of Noah. That is going to be fulfilled. That's the word of Christ. It's the word of Jesus. It's the word of God. So here's a word now that the enemy gets a little more information. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated great prophet with us. Spirit brother of Lucifer is with us. A reincarnated angel is with us. You see, the religions of the world have an opinion. Hinduism, all the isms have an opinion about Jesus. Even an atheist has an opinion about Jesus. He never existed. That's an opinion. But what does our Bible teach us? God with us. Don't ever let anybody bring him down. You you have to stand ground and say, no, Jesus was God. He was the son of God. We're going to keep following after him. You see, Paul reveals what the enemy came to know, that the Savior is going to come through the line of Abraham. But again, remember, the enemy didn't have the written word as we do. He didn't know the plans of God. He definitely, this is Mormonism. They didn't know this. This is Mormonism. He was definitely not a part of a divine council. It was God, Jesus, and Satan. And Satan got really mad because God went with Jesus' plan. No, no, not at all. He definitely was not a part of a divine council who planned out the salvation of mankind. He was a created being, Satan, an angel. And his desire was to destroy any possibility of God's promise in Genesis from coming to pass. And that is why the Jewish people have always been persecuted. That is why. You need to understand this. It's not because they're great with finances. The world will try to, to, to insinuate that. Or that they're ruling over all the radio or TV stations. Nonsense. Read your Bible. The Messiah is coming back to this earth. He's going to step foot on the Mount of Olives. The temple is going to be built on the Temple Mount. It doesn't matter. The Antichrist is going to help make that fulfillment come to pass. The word of God is going to be fulfilled. But Satan doesn't like that at all. At all. If the enemy could destroy the Jewish race, then that would nullify God's promises about and to who? The nation of Israel. This is very important for us to remember because it has always been the reason. And it will continue to be the reason, as we're going to study in the next few weeks, even during the tribulation. The Antichrist said, well, if I could just wipe out the nation of Israel, then God's promises won't come to pass even during the Great Tribulation. And so as we move through these next three chapters, we're going to see seven characters or entities. So who are these characters? Well, we have the woman, the dragon, the male child, Michael the archangel, the beast that comes from the sea, the beast that comes from the land, and the believing remnant of Israel. And we're going to identify some of those characters or entities in our study this morning. So verse one again. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. We know through the scriptures that Satan was filled with pride, and this is what caused him to be removed from his position in the throne room of God. I would encourage you to check out Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. The easy way to remember that, 14 and 14 is 28. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel. But write it down, take a picture of it, do whatever it is, but study your Bible. When he was removed from this heavenly position, he was sent to this earth, and this earth has been his battleground ever since. Satan wanted to ascend to the throne of God, and he worshipped and be worshipped, and that desire has not changed. Since he will never have that desire fulfilled, though, he has chosen the next best thing, to turn people away from God. That is religion. To turn people away from God and try to draw them to himself. And he has had plenty of success in this endeavor. Eight billion people, close to eight billion people worship something. Themselves, if nothing else. So every single person worships something. Even as John the Baptist said over these next few weeks, we need to learn to rely more upon the Holy Spirit and less upon ourselves, especially, guys. I mean, I'm not political. I just want to bring you a little bit of information. You do your own study. Biden is going down. Now, don't go, surprise. No, I know we're not surprised about that. But I mean, he's literally going down. He's going to be replaced, most likely at the DNC. He's done. He's not going to get the next term. He's not going to run. They know this is crash and burn. So they're going to bring somebody else in, most likely Michelle Obama. You like it or not, be in prayer. She needs Jesus. If she dies without Jesus, she's going to hell. She becomes president, big whoop. She's still going to hell. So don't get hung up about it. Just pray. God, your will be done. If it's to take America down, God, your will be done. Let's have a party on the way down. We're going up anyways. So praise God. You know, be aware of what's going on around you. Why do I say that? Even as John the Baptist said, when his disciples came and said, hey, hey, you know the guy Jesus over there that you baptized? There's a whole bunch of people going to his synagogue. They're not coming to ours anymore. Didn't say synagogue. Read your Bible. And what did John the Baptist say? What did he, what did he do to his followers? What? I'm the man? No, he said, he must increase. I must decrease. Remember that with your 401k over the next several years. (laughs) The Holy Spirit must increase because my 401k is decreasing. But God, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. Streets paid of, of gold. Praise God. It's important to mention a very important principle here. I just said it. But I want you to hear the principle. Religion will teach you that you must decrease. You must. I learned this for 17 years. Well, I didn't. I can't say 17 years because I, I didn't know what was going on until maybe eight, nine years old. For so maybe eight or nine years, I was taught and I was programmed is that you need to clean yourself up. Stop sinning, you stinking little sinner. Just stop sinning. Pray more. Go to church more. Give more money. Do whatever it takes, and then maybe, maybe God will love you and use you. It's totally wrong. And that type of teaching is from the pit of hell. No, as we allow the Holy Spirit, here's the principle for our lives as Christians. As we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Not at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes within you. And certain denominations will teach you that's a one-time deal and you don't ever have to ask for more of the Holy Spirit because you've gotten all of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you read your Bibles, you're going to have a real problem with that because the Bible teaches otherwise. So you can follow a denomination or you can follow your Bible. 
And I ask for more of the Holy Spirit every single day. As before I get up, as I'm singing, I'm also praying. And I'm praying in tongues. You can't hear that because that's not to be done. Except that a believer's night, that's gathering. But I pray. If you have the gift of tongues, you should be praying using that gift. It's the only gift, the only gift for self-edification. I don't understand it. I don't have the gift of interpretation. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't care. Because the Bible says, do it. That's good enough for me. But you don't do it out of order because then that causes confusion. Where are you getting your power from? Where are you getting your power from? I don't come up here thinking, oh, I studied all week. I got it down. This is going to be an easy Sunday morning. I never approach the Word of God that way. I've done my part, but boy, do I rely upon God. As we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome those things that distract us from becoming more like Jesus. You having issues in your life? I have issues in my life. How do you get over that? Well, just positive thinking. Right. No. Through prayer, through memorization of the Word of God, through meditation of the Word of God, through counsel, through coming to other Bible studies, through mentoring, all these avenues that are available to us, but how many Christians use them? It's up to you. It's your relationship. You see, John had it absolutely in the correct order, and for us today, we could say, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to increase. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to increase, and then our fleshly desires will decrease. Don't try to do it the other way around. It'll never work. It it will never work. Well, if I just stop doing this, then God will use me. Mm, No. I mean, that would be helpful, but you still got it backwards. God wants to use you even with what you're doing. Could God use a sinner? How many of you think God could use a sinner? Every hand better be up (laughs) because you're still a sinner, unfortunately. Hopefully, we're sinning less, but we'll never be sinless. So if God can use us, don't try to go, well, God can never use that person over there because I know they're doing this, this, and this. No, God can use a donkey. He can use anybody. So back in our text, next week we noted, last week we noted who is ultimately going to rule and reign. And notice that John sees a great sign. Now the great sign appeared in heaven. This is not an actual woman, a woman clothed with the sun but symbolizes the nation of Israel. Can I prove that? We can. There are four women represented in this letter of Revelation. We saw a woman named Jezebel in chapter 2, and she represents paganism. In chapter 17, we're going to see a woman who is dressed in scarlet. She is in reference to a whore, a prostitute, and represents the apostate religion in the end times or that one world false religious system that will voluntarily worship the devil. In chapter 19, we read about a woman who is called the Bride of the Lamb. And this woman represents the church, those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior and turned their lives over to his lordship. So as we talk about receiving Christ, it really should be, I'm sure you've all heard it, I've heard it, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He can never become your Lord until he's your Savior. So we really should be saying, accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You might go, oh, that's kind of semantics. No, it's a very important principle. 
How many Christians have allowed Jesus to become their Lord today? They're still following after the things they want to do or the agenda that they have. That means that Jesus is not their Lord. He's their Savior. They're going to heaven. Praise God. But if you allow Jesus to become your Lord, that's totally different. Master? Slavery? I don't believe in slavery. Well, you better read your Bible because you are. You're a bondservant. Call it for what it is. It's a wonderful thing. The fourth woman is here in our verses this morning. Various religions over the centuries have tried to say who this woman represents, and they've been wrong consistently. But if we allow the Scripture to interpret Scripture, we will find out who this woman represents, and that is always the case. You see, we need to allow. Pastor Chuck taught us this. Drill this into our heads as pastors. We need to allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. And when we do that, we come up with the obvious answer. Allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. Way back in Genesis 37, you'll read about a man who had several dreams. Joseph was his name, and he had 11 other brothers, one younger, 10 older. When we read about his first dream, he told his brothers that they would all bow down in reverence to him. Now, being the second youngest brother, this really upset the siblings. Read the story. And if any of you have older siblings, you know what would have happened to you if you had said this to them. At least in my upbringing, after my four older brothers got done laughing, they would have been, I would have been severely beaten to correct my way of thinking. And you think, oh, that would never happen. You don't know men. Because as you read your Bible, what did his brothers want to do to him? Let's kill him. What? Four siblings? Yeah, let's just kill him. They'll, they'll be done with his dreams. And you ladies are going, oh, how could boys ever think of that? How could men? Are... Well, you're not a man. That's just the way it is. There's men and there's women, too. That's it. Guys are going, amen. I know what he's talking about. Yep. I've thought of killing my siblings once more for. And not just thinking about it, I mean literally. I won't have a show of hands, but I mean literally. You ladies are going, oh, he needs Jesus. We do, we do. I mean, that we do. Jesus then told his second dream to his father, and listen to what Jacob said, Genesis 37, 9 through 11. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. What were we just reading in Revelation? The sun, the moon, a woman, 12, Joseph being the... So he told it to his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come down to come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. Uh, That softened it. His brothers hated him. We're going to kill you. When we get a chance, we're going to kill you. But his father kept the matter in mind. So I believe Genesis 37 tells us that this dream represents the 12 tribes of Israel, which is not a stretch by any means. Israel is identified in various places in the Bible as a woman. One of the best depictions is that Israel is called the wife of God. The unfortunate depiction of Israel, though, is that at times she is called an unfaithful wife as well. Not a woman, but the nation of Israel. Now again, remember what we learned earlier that in the Garden of Eden, we can hear God promising a Savior was coming to this earth. 
And so the Old Testament refined that and has given us very specific details about that Savior. So again, Revelation 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet, and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Go ahead and read on, you know, during the week here. I encourage you to read the rest of Revelation because we'll be getting it in the next few weeks. But again, the Old Testament refined that and it gives us very specific details about that Savior. As we discussed earlier in our study, the enemy came to know about this Savior, so it has been his desire for years to wipe out Israel, to wipe out any chance of a male child coming to deliver Israel from its oppressors. Again, if he could wipe out Israel then the Savior would never be able to deliver God's people. You can read about this attempt many times in your Bible as well as outside of your Bible. So to be perfectly clear, I believe, and I will not argue with you, so if you want to argue, go somewhere else. I believe this woman who is in travail here or in childbirthing mode is the nation of Israel, which has been persecuted like no other nation that has ever existed. Than being with child. Let's look at Luke chapter 2 as we get ready to wrap it up here. You see, the hope of every Jewish woman was that she would bring forth the promised Messiah. And when Mary received the blessed privilege to bring forth that child, Simeon had this to say about Jesus on his day of dedication in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now we know from the scriptures, he was looking, and I can't, let me rephrase this, I'm sorry. I don't know what Simeon was thinking. But overall, overall in that day and age, they wanted to be delivered from the oppression of Rome. That was all they were looking for. They weren't thinking about, I'm a sinner in need of a savior The Messiah is going to save the whole world. They were very narrow. God's only going to save the Roman Catholics. God's only going to save the Baptists. God's only going to save, put whatever name you want in there. It's still to this day. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the anointed one. That day, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Is he saying, this is a great prophet. This little kid is just going to be a dynamic teacher. No, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. So when people knock on your doors and they say, well, the Bible never said Jesus was God and Jesus never proclaimed he was God, you're going to say, you know what? Let me show you in the Bible. Here's another case where Jesus is God. Another, another case. Many cases. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all Jews. Is that what your Bible says? For all people, Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. The whole world. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. 
not to just a select group, but to the whole world. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Not your glory of Jacob, glory of Abraham. No, the glory of your people, the nation of Israel, that the promise was to come to. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. To this very day, it's the name of Jesus that calls many to fall. Jesus is the only way to heaven? Ah, you're crazy. I can get there any other way. Okay, you've just fallen. I tried to tell you, you don't want it. You've just fallen. It's the name of Jesus, not the name of Buddha or Muhammad. Any other name, Joseph Smith? No, it's the name of Jesus. But he will be a joy to many others. That's you and me, guys. We're reading this 2,000 years later, roughly. That's you and me. Do you have joy? Or is your joy dependent upon the Republican Party? Good luck. The Democratic Party? Good luck. Communist? Is your joy in your guns and ammo? Good luck. Make sure you understand where your joy comes from. It doesn't come from the Constitution. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from the Word of God. He has been sent as a sign from God, and many will oppose him. Many will oppose him. So we shouldn't be surprised at what's happening. Wrap it up with verse 35 here. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Where was Mary on the last day of Jesus' life? Now, you may not realize this, but on the cross and on crucifixes, uh, Jesus is wearing a loin cloth over his private parts. That did not take place. When Rome crucified you, they crucified you butt naked. They were going to humiliate you to the extreme. You are going to be totally naked. Naked you came into this world. Naked you are leaving. And we will humiliate you so much that whoever walks by you and sees you will go, you know what, I don't think I want to steal. You know, I don't, I don't think I want to murder anybody. I don't want to be up there on one of those things. It was a deterrent. But who was at the cross? Mary, his mother. She saw his naked body as a baby. She's seen his naked body as a full-grown man. She didn't understand. We don't blame her. She just didn't understand. She did later, but she didn't understand at that point. That's my son dying. That's my son up there dying. Who's, what, what are you doing? That's my son. You see, Jesus died for her. Without Jesus, she didn't have a Savior. Read more in Luke. Mary proclaims that God is my Savior. Guys, this world needs a Savior. Don't get caught up in all the politics. Don't get caught up in the race nonsense. Don't get caught up in religions. Keep taking people back to Jesus. Get to Jesus as quick as you can. If they don't want to hear about it, say, well, you know, I love you anyways. I'm not going to talk about that other nonsense. Get back to Jesus. 
Father, we thank you and praise you that your word was fulfilled and is going to continue to be fulfilled. Even as Jesus said, it's going to be fulfilled whether mankind likes it or not. And so, Father, help us to keep that proper perspective so we don't get caught up in the things of this world that are a bunch of lies. It's just, it's built on a bunch of lies. That's obvious. But, Father, we carry the truth. And so as we go out into our mission field this week, whatever that looks like, our neighborhood, our school, family member, somebody at the store, driving down the freeway, those are all our neighbors. Lord, help us to be available via your Holy Spirit. We can't do this. Even Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't do this on our own. We need more of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We don't have the power. You do. And as our missionary friend already said, we are the hands. We are the feet. You need us. You need us. And we thank you for the privilege of that need. So, Lord, use us this week to plant, to water, to fertilize. And, Lord, if it's your will to pray with somebody, and then if it's your will to pray with somebody to receive Jesus. I personally would love that. And I'm sure every Bible-believing Christian in this room would love that. So, Father, that's our prayer. We would love to pray with someone to receive Jesus. Use us this week, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.